0: Intrigue. Inquiries. Insights. This is Poddam. Welcome to Poddam, a reservoir of relevant insights. My name is Victor Tiffany, and I'm an activist doing my best to navigate today's society where extremes are the norm, feelings trump facts, and tribalism tries to ruin us all. Poddam seeks to find the answers to some of life's greatest mysteries, from political theories from every man's perspective, to issues surrounding free speech, free will, and determining whether Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell is actually a secret member of the American Bears Foundation. We're here to guide you on this river of truth with open minds, a search for balance, and perhaps a little obscure humor. On our last voyage, we covered the Twitter files, and before we begin, I have a mea culpa to address. I claimed at the time, that there were 15 Twitter files, but in fact, there were only 14. I'm embarrassed to admit that my misinformation came from a Fox News online story by Joseph Wolfson. This happened just one episode after we advised against relying on corporate media. Wolfson was an heir for whatever reason. And I pledged to do a better job going forward. Twitter files 15 were published soon after that recording. And they were some of the most important to date. For complete coverage, including context about the liars behind Hamilton 68 and an interview with the reporter Matt Taibbi, check out Glenn Greenwald's January 27th show on Rumble. Tonight, we're going to traverse the rough waters of woke ideology, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If the weakness of Poddam isn't already obvious, especially with regard to the subject of race and racism... We are three white males placing the framing of this subject on thin ice, as we'll make clear. Our criticisms tonight will address the white woke more than the stay woke of Black Lives Matter and other movements for racial equality. We will have a diverse range of guests and we'll interview in future episodes. But for now, the reservoir is frozen over with the three of us to address this new ideology and, in some cases, new religion. As always, I'm joined by my fellow tour guides, Michael Johnson, and the one they call Papa Beaver. Michael is going to begin by telling us where woke ideology came from.
1: Michael? Woke used to be common um, before it became part of the uh, pop culture uh, among the African-American culture uh, in, in, in their dialect uh, as a way of saying uh, being aware. Uh, being conscious of propaganda, being able to see through it. Um, it was used in Leadbelly's Belly's song way back in the 1930s, so historically uh, it is much older than I had previously thought. Uh, it also was popularized by Martin Luther King in his express call to stay woke. Referring to the African-American community to be aware of the situation of oppression that they were under um, What this made me think is uh, There's different definitions of woke and we need to be aware of those. There's the original definition of woke, which is being aware And, and we can go into greater depth as, as to everything that that entails Uh, Then there's what I call neo-woke, which is the neoliberal definition, which includes cancel culture's vindictiveness and desire to get revenge whenever there's a disagreement. Then there is uh, the conservative definition of woke, which um, seeks to shame the idea of making white people feel bad for being white um, and exaggerating the neoliberal definition of woke. So in other words, it's a perception. It's not how woke is actually defined among neoliberals or even certainly among people who originally coined the term. One thing that I, one of the criticisms I have of being woke, uh, and this is both the original definition and the uh, current definition is it doesn't cover the world landscape uh, except in areas where we have uh, US imperial interests like we'll cover woke in Palestine and we'll cover woke in Ukraine. Uh, we'll, we'll cover what it means to be woke for them. Um, but beyond that, if, it, if it's outside of US imperial interests, then we're not woke. We're, we're not woke about um, what's going on with Chinese minorities, minorities in China or minorities in Burma we're not woke about the situation that's going on in Africa. And I think to be fully woke, uh, according to the definition of being aware, uh, goes further than anybody has taken it so far. So one of my criticisms of woke ideology in general is that it doesn't address all the world issues that it needs to. However, it is implied in the definition and to be properly woke, to be woke in the right way, would uh, include being aware of what's going on in Africa and Asia and indigenous uh, areas of the world.
0: I think it's a little bit more than that, because um, woke is, from my understanding, if I can use the uh, an analogical word, conscious, and uh, my understanding that th- that was the word used by early civil rights activists, conscious. It's not just awareness. It's not just consciousness. It's also conscientiousness. It's also doing something about it. You're not woke if you're sitting around an armchair reading about it. That doesn't make you woke. It makes you aware. But woke involves uh, marching with Black Lives Matter, m- marching when there's a demonstration against, you know, these ridiculous court decisions allowing these—I'm going to show my age here—allowing these racist pigs to get away with their murder of, of unarmed uh, people of color. So, you know, it's in my understanding it's it's consciousness and conscientiousness in in, in a single word. It's doing something, they're not just being aware of it. Right. I, I'd have
1: to agree with that. I, I read something that I couldn't quite uh, wrap my head around, which said that it, it's it's an it's active. It's not just passively being awake. It's actively it's being aware, but in an active sense. So I think you described it pretty well in a way that I hadn't um, grasped.
2: What you've all, what you've said so far, I really can't disagree with. Um, but unfortunately, things tend. To, you know, that we can never seem to have nice things in this world, and things end up getting corrupted. And unfortunately, um, you know, like I said, the de- the initial definitions about being aware of issues such as racial inequalities, gender inequalities, uh, environmental issues, um, you know, oppression of certain kinds, these are all very good and admirable things to be concerned with. However, things have in recent years taken a bit of a turn and not only has the term been corrupted, but people have begun getting upset, I guess we'll say, over stuff that most people don't care about. I am young i am gay my coming to that conclusion though about my sexual orientation did not start until you know my later years and in that aspect as well a lot of the issues that gay people had to deal with for over the years specifically in america we really got taken care of. Um, You know, we got gay marriage passed in in all 50 states under Supreme Court ruling. Um, Most states have their own uh, laws about discrimination against people based on uh, sexual orientation. Uh, Federally, there's also, um, you know, laws about that. So... In essence, we've kind of won. Now, there's always stuff that can be improved and you can't just, you know, you can't just completely rest on your laurels, be aware of of things. But for the most part, we've won. We've also, in a lot of ways, uh, won on racial issues, on women's issues. Uh, Again, in terms of employment and schooling, a lot of these things have been accomplished. And... um, They've got, and, you know, again, you got to be aware of uh, potential backsliding, but at the same time, there is, there has been a lot of progress, and that is all are for... Are you
0: suggesting, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying, are you suggesting that uh, structural racism doesn't, doesn't exist, that there's nothing built into the system, whether judicial, educational, or uh, employment institutions, corporate institutions that there's no structural racism, redlining all that stuff is is, is in the history or No that stuff oh. it
2: definitely exists. However, it's there's we've come to a point now where um, people tend to think that we're uh, that our country and people are worse than we were, let's say back in the days of the Civil War or the mid 20th century um which is just wrong and in a lot of cases it they've kind of it's become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy that the people that are concerned about that have actually turned it into an issue have kind of made that b- become the case they've turned it into you know position you know issues it it's they've turned it into um you know what they've been trying to prevent which i will i will cover we've gone from The point of, uh, you know, fighting for for equality for for gays and lesbians and transsexuals, etc. And making sure that they're not discriminated against and not, um, you know, harassed or bullied or or hurt or killed or whatever. Um, These things happen sometimes, yes. I'm not denying that. But it's come to the point where that is not so much the case anymore. But we've unfortunately, people have decided to, um, you know, not realize that we have won on that issue. And they continue to push for more and more extremes. For example, it is now very common to see children being um, targeted by activists to accept a radical transgender ideology. Um, what
0: do you mean? Accept? Just tolerate it?
2: No, not even just tolerate. It's become to the point where they try um, to indoctrinate kids that if uh, you're if you're a, if you're a uh, young male who's a little more f- effeminate, who's uh, might happen to like uh, you know dressing up in in wearing makeup or wearing a princess dress every once in a while, well that that means that the child is transgender. Or if you're a little girl that likes to play sports and not a big fan of wearing dresses, likes to wear pants, um, means that the kids, uh, means that little girl's actually a boy, is a transgender. Actual transgenderism is a meta, is a mental condition known as gender dysphoria. There's really only one way to, um, to combat that feeling, which is to go through gender reassignment surgery. Um, which is all all well and good if that's if that's how you are. You deserve all the the protections that that you know that that are offered. Um, you know you're not you're not a weirdo. You're not you know there's nothing wrong with you. Um, but there is uh, it is an actual medical condition that. Can be addressed with sexual reassignment surgery the problem though is it's very rare but we've come to the point now where it is being um fetishized and pushed upon younger and younger children or younger and younger people including children i was never someone who objected to the idea let's say of these um you know drag queen story hours that you've probably heard of. However, it's gotten to the point now where we've gone past just, you know, a man in a dress reading to children and allow, you know, allowing the kids to see, yes, there's people that have a slightly different lifestyle. Nothing really wrong with that in and of itself, but we've gotten to the point now where kids are being encouraged to go to drag events. Drag in and of itself is a very sexual experience. It's usually very uh, scantily clad individuals dancing and um, perform, you know, performing sexual moves on themselves and possibly others. There's nothing wrong with that in the appropriate setting, but you can find videos all over the internet now where schools are having drag queens come in to their auditoriums and stuff and actually performing these shows or they're putting or uh, local restaurants are putting together these performances for um you know and encouraging p- families to bring their kids you'll actually see a video of kids young children will be uh, stuffing like dollar bills into the bras and the panties and stuff of these performers We've gotten to a point, too, where corporations such as Disney have explicitly said it's on, on record that they have an agenda to push in putting this type of stuff into, um, into their programming.
0: Well, oh, I was okay. going to say, into their Happy Meals? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't? I don't, well, that's
2: McDonald's, but I don't think we've gotten to that point yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's on its way. Disney's had a few recent uh productions come out that have tanked at the box office and amongst audience reviews because the entire concept of these of these sh- uh movies was just to push an agenda. Um it, it checked a bunch of boxes. They checked a bunch of boxes to include um you know to include an LG, like LGBT representation and racial representation. Buzz the Buzz Lightyear movie is is one of them. Uh, there was another one that came out recently. Its name escapes me, um, but um, it was uh, it it they uh, they they checked a they they basically just released this to check a bunch of boxes. to Show oh we're uh, we're um, you know we're so inclusive. They even went so far as to make the dog character mentally challenged or something to show representation
1: let me let me if, if i can interject here just just to, to liven up the conversation uh i, I see a difference between the, the the grooming of the drag queens uh trying to sexualize kids i i see i, I see that as being different can you hear me a little louder I see that as being different sexualizing kids is different than uh, having a gay character in a cartoon um, absolutely even though that's good yeah I I, I don't see, I don't see those as being woke in the same way I I, I think like mm-hmm. that's why I said there's neoliberal woke which I think Disney is and then I think there's the conservative perception which is these drag queen shows you said that they're quite common how common are they because to me it seems like they're more of an outlier than something that's really common
2: you're not going to find it in every single school or or municipality but all you really have to do is just you know search online you'll see from from uh, places like uh, uh, libs of tiktok post a lot of these videos this is stuff that's easily um it's they're not hiding it and it's uh it's more pervasive. It's again. It's it's not like you know you're gonna see this everywhere every day, but it's something that shouldn't be happening at all. Exposing because I wouldn't want to see kids going to uh you know to just a regular you know strip club, but
0: what right. age what age limit are you talking about? All through K through twelve. Oh
2: my good yes, and it's a lot of times, particularly the younger ones. Yeah, I very rarely do I ever see like teenagers. I.
0: See, I, I think there's a usefulness for um, addressing this in the classroom, in that it's probably children who are uh, really terrified and uncertain what the hell's going on and don't even want to bring this up to their parents. I think exposing them to an understanding of uh, anormal, non normal uh, sexuality, whatever, you know, uh, uh, heterosexual mom and dad kind of male mom and I'm sorry, female mom and, and male father. I, that's sort of normal. I, that there's more out there than just that, without necessarily detailing it. It's just so that children who might be uh, transsexual or might be uh, wanting questioning their own sexual identity, at least they have an understanding. At least they are presented. There is there day is after or anything like there that. is
2: there is age appropriateness. That can yes, you can discuss this in an age-appropriate way. However, that's not what this is. This is full-on. These are full-on performances by by drag performers, and some of them even make me uncomfortable. And I'm very open-minded. That um, they they're just they're not they're not appropriate for kids. This isn't about you know, oh a kid is you know experiencing something and wants to talk about it. Oh, there happens to be people other people like me. No no no. This is This is full-on. You know like, adult-level performances that um, that these kids are being exposed to, but they always advertise them as being family-friendly. There's nothing family-friendly about it. It's full-on filth, which is, filth can be, you know, if you enjoy filth, that's fine. I enjoy certain types of filth, but I would never let my kids around this. And I'm glad, though, Victor, you brought up the families, or, you know, like, the kids feeling something, because... We've also come to a point now where uh, a lot of schools have implemented policies where, if a child is express is expresses to a teacher or whatever that they are feeling a a certain way, they feel like you know they don't feel you know fit in properly, or they feel like maybe they're. Um, They might be a a different. They they might be you know experiencing gender dysphoria or something. By the way, what kind of child knows what all that is unless someone's teaching them about it? Um, Most a lot of these schools now have policies in place that the parents aren't allowed to have any sort of say in it, and the and the parents aren't to know about it. It's all supposed to be kept secret. Keeping secrets between an adult. Even if they're in authority, I mean, there's authority figures that can be, that can, you know, be fucked up. But keeping secrets between a child and an authority figure. This is no different than like the, like, you know, a Catholic priest, um, you know, doing ungodly things, pun intended, with with children and then telling them to keep it a secret. Or, you know. Do you think,
1: so, so, I, I gotta ask that, I've gotta ask there, again, lighten it up. So, if, if I'm transgender and I'm a teenager, if I'm transgender and I'm a teenager, and I tell my teacher, "Hey, I think I'm transgender, and, and this is how I want to live my life," but I'm afraid to tell my parents. Do you think that that the parents ought to know about it, anyways?
2: Within reason. Yes, there are people. People have uh, people have accused um, Florida of um, you know. Making it so that, um, you know, oh, the, the, you know, if the, that, you know, they're gonna put children in, they're gonna put kids in danger, um, with their recent, uh, the recent bill that got passed they, that's been colloquially, colloquially, re, uh, re, re, um, referred to as the don't say gay bill, which has nothing to do with that. What that bill does is it prevents these types of things with the secrets being kept and the drag shows and, um you know, all this stuff. Another issue that's come up a lot lately in this, in this regard is about, um, there, are, there have been a bunch of, uh, books that have been distributed to, to schools. Um, it's child pornography is what they are. The, the, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you look up what the definition is of child pornography, uh, it involves any sort of depiction of, of an, underage individual in a sexual act whether that's like photographs or video or drawings you know any sort of created media there is a book out there i do not know the name and i'd rather keep that secret for the most part because of the fact that it's so uh that it's so egregious um but there's a book out there that uh has gotten has gone under come under fire it's more of a comic type of book uh where it depicts a 14 year old um, having sexual relations and it's all drawn out, not just, you know, words, it's drawn out performing sexual acts on a 40 something year old man. This has been distributed to schools. It happened in Virginia. There was a woman that, that, um, spoke to, uh, spoke to the, uh, one of the school boards down there, um, because she was so upset that this was there. Um, and this is, and I believe she's the same. She's also uh, one of the people that helped uh, Glenn Youngkin in his uh, recent election because he was uh, fighting against this kind of stuff being uh, shown to kids. Um, she was testifying against against it. Um, it's but, but it's been distributed to a lot of these schools. I don't know what is going. We've gone way past the idea of accepting people, no matter who they are or what they purport to be to um to pretty much trying to get these kids on board with the idea of being um you know that oh you know you're you're probably transgender and let me i'm going to state for the fact i the line in the sand i draw children and that is anyone under 18 should not be having any sort of gender reassignment surgery bar none now, if a kids come if like if I had kids, which I hope to someday have kids. My kid comes to me and says, "Dad, I don't feel right in my body. Something seems off like, you know, I feel, you know, I have a if I have a boy for example, he comes to me, he says uh, you know, "Dad, um my my you know, my penis makes me feel weird. Um, you know, I have all these feelings." Okay, I'm going to sit down with my kid. We're going to discuss it openly. And we will go to a you know we'll we'll figure things out. We'll talk to uh, we'll talk to doctors and psychologists and everything about what's going on. It could just be a, a phase. It's but to to take these kids, it's come to the point now where kids are being um, are be you know they come right out and they say, hey, I feel this certain way. Do not pa- they they're like shuffled off right away and put on. Puberty blockers and hormone replacement therapies, and in a lot of cases, are having their, um, you know, having body parts cut off. So if they're a girl, they're having their their breasts removed. Boys are having their their penises taken off, and they're trying to replace it with a vagina and everything. That's a bridge. That's a bridge too far. Again, if you there are,
1: and there, are, I, I would agree with the eighteen-year-old mark as being a good uh, delineation. I, I've I've come to that conclusion. I could be wrong, but no. There's there's guesses, there's no reason for for probably a a, a, if, good, yeah, a o- good barrier. Once
2: you're an adult, you can do what you want. P- these puberty blockers yeah. that's 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 a misnomer. They're actually the the drug that's being used is um, used to it, it it does stifle puberty, but its intent was to. For kids that have like endocrine disorders, to where like at age five they're already starting to develop, um, where you know they they're at a stage of of uh, bodily development that they shouldn't you shouldn't see until like twelve years old, and so it helps to it helps to prevent that. They also use it to castrate chemically castrate sex offenders. Um, It's it's and it's not a reversible thing. They've come now to find out that these that these drugs. Um, you know, can stifle, uh, can cause issues with bone development, mental development. It's very unhealthy to be pausing these things.
0: Are you accusing woke culture for voicing this on us? Is, is, I'm, 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 I want you to connect what you're yes, describing. Yes, that's, that's exactly what company. I'm doing.
2: That's exactly what I'm doing. Because it's come to the point now where if you're consider if you, uh, if you know... Me talking about this, I would con- be considered a transphobe, which is far from the truth. Um, it affects it affects people like me as a gay man as well, because if you come out and say uh, you do not want to have uh, sex with a male, you know, like, a, or let me say it again. If you do not want to have sex with a trans man, that is a, wo- a biological woman that became a man, if you do not, if you as a gay man do not find that attractive... That's considered transphobia. I'm not attracted to vaginas. I not that's that's not my thing. So real or constructed. What's that?
0: Real or constructed. Exactly. Natural or constructed? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's not transphobia. That's a that's a sexual. My sexual orientation is towards penis. You know. These are so it's it's homophobic to say that you know you're a bigot. For not liking those particular things,
1: yeah, there's something that that, that we're—I—I do not want to miss. I almost wanted to go down the uh, the Olympics and and transphobia there, uh, and, and how to address that, it, which we could do. But one thing I don't want to miss out is discussing race, uh, structural racism. So. I I would say maybe we could spend a minute on on the Olympics, but after that, we really want to address race because that has a lot to do with being woke and what woke ideology was originally created to address. Uh, I
0: I agree, and I think we also need to address intersectionality, which which when we get back on the track of race, it's actually extremely relevant, particularly hierarchical uh, intersectionality relevant to where we're at in this you know we want to bring this back to fo- a, a greater focus on race and, and so there's a question in many people's minds in the woke culture as I understand it in, in prioritizing or privileging uh, one uh, dominated group over other dominated groups so let's I'll come back to that but go ahead and okay uh, yeah let's
2: talk about let yeah we can we can get onto the Olympics. Just to summarize, basically, is um, they're coming after kids. They're trying to indoctrinate. This has nothing. This should not be in schools, bar none. Yes, there needs to be sex education and stuff, and uh, you know, an LGBT history is is all well and good, but it's gotten to the point now where it's indoctrination. There's actually a group now called Gays Against Groomers, which I am happy to say that I am a part of. Which is basically people of LGBT persuasions that realize we've gone too far in our in activism and we've we've you know turned into they they've we're trying to raise awareness that not all not all people of this of these sexual persuasions are are creeps, but it's our movement has been hijacked. LGBT acceptance well. is is down in America. It's um. It's actually come, it's actually come to the point where a, I believe it's Oklahoma actually just passed a law where they are actually limiting where, like the, they're not just limiting, like no kids can get reassignment surgery, but they've gotten, but they're like, like the, the, the bar is like way too high, you know, people, you know, in their twenties, they're stopping now that's how bad, that's how um how much the movement's been hijacked it's now starting to affect policies
0: your criticism begs a question in my view which is are you woke or anti-woke
2: in the traditional sense i would say that i'm that i'm woke in that you know awareness about certain issues is a uh, is definitely important and you know trying trying your best to, to make changes in those respects but in the modern sense i would be anti woke so i'm i guess you could say i'm a mixture of of everything i'm a classical like i i i'm somewhere between like classical liberalism and uh, left leaning libertarianism and democratic socialist i'm somewhat i'm somewhere on a spectrum of everything so you're
1: original woke but you're not what i call neo woke
2: yes like i said everything is
1: more to say about neo woke neo woke is just a term i come up with to d- to distinguish between woke as it was originally envisioned by Martin Luther King and woke as it's described by some neoliberals today. If Martin which Luther
2: is, King could see what people are doing in his name, he'd be spinning in his grave.
1: Well, I'm, uh, I, I'm sure it would be. Uh, I, I, I think that...
2: Martin Luther King believed in the idea that, um, you know, all, like, all men are created equal, which is in our, you know, founding documents, and that, uh, you know, everyone should be judged based on the content of their character but it's become you know, it's become so might, corrupted that that we're so far from his original ideas
1: he might be a good point for us to spring into we could touch into the Olympics and that would be another 10 minute discussion but then we would totally miss out on, on discussing race and, and racial inequality and what it means to be woke as far as that's concerned I'm really impressed with Martin Luther King and and I am impressed with his definition of woke uh, which is to be aware and and I think we do need to be aware of racial inequalities I do take issue with this new term Uh, I I, I take issue with the notion that um, a a black person cannot be racist finding racism I I think that uh, by redefining it as only racial prejudice Um, I I think racism and racial prejudice really mean the same thing that was the original definition of of racism was prejudice based on race but it's been um, narrowed down to only mean prejudice uh, of the dominant race or or, or the race that's in power over um, the race that the race or races that are not in power and and I think that that just promotes uh, it perpetuates inequality when you're looking at it from that framework however I think structural racism is real and and we need to we need to keep that definition in place systemic racism is real and realize that affects people and I, I would be woke in that regard um, I, I'm against bigotry in general mm-hmm. so I wouldn't want prejudice to be directed against a, a white person and say, you know, that's an inevitable form of racial prejudice because it's not racist. And, and according to the new definition of racism in sociology it's not racist to be bigoted against a white person. I, I, I think that that waters down the notion of bigotry and, and I, I think that we need to attack a attack bigotry from all angles. But one thing we also need to do is we need to be aware that bigotry does target certain groups more than others, and it affects certain groups more than others. Yeah, you have... You why we believe in quota samples. You can it,
2: have more it, than one thought in your head at one time, you know? You can be realize... Hey, there's some issues that we need to take care of, but at the same time, you know, you can go too far with certain things. It's like let's 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 thank people. You know, we we you know this this country is so goddamn stupid. They don't they can't they can't th- realize that there's you can have more than one thought about certain things.
0: I want to talk about um, uh, intersectionality here in a moment. But I wanted to ask Michael a question first. We're going to be talking next week about cancel culture, which is the bastard son of uh, woke culture or woke religion. Right. But I just wanted to ask you, you talked about your your opposition to bigots and bigotry. Do you think uh, if you're hearing someone making a bigoted statement, maybe it's an artist, maybe it's a uh, colleague, do you think they should be canceled? Uh
1: yeah. I, I think it depends, I, I had a particular case that, that I want to, and that's the case of, I believe her name is Miss Reed, based on the video, um, she was a, a teacher at Riverside School District, and um, there used to be something called Sakatoa, Sokoto, uh a, a mathematical acronym to make something easier to remember, and it's also of... Uh, I, I believe a Native American princess. So um, she did this dance with this headdress saying, pretending to be Sakatoa and, and praying water gods. And I thought it was very off color and I thought it was very inappropriate. And I thought if she didn't apologize, she should be fired. Now, people wanted her to vote. Bo- what I disagreed with was this. People's attitude towards her was she should apologize and she should be fired. I think that if she humbled herself and, and gave a, a, um, a, a genuine feeling public apology that she should deserve time off, non-paid time off to learn her lesson, but that she should be reinstated so long as she made that public apology and went to some courses where she was learning the air of her ways and expressed the air of her ways. However, she never did that. She, it, it seems like, and, and we don't know what occurred privately, but it seems like she dug in her heels and decided not to apologize, and she did get fired. And I, I think because she wasn't willing to apologize that she did deserve to be fired. But I do think that there needs to be that space for forgiveness so, so we can grow as a society who, who have backwards thinking to move forward. We we all need to be able to, we need to to be able to be corrected, I think, in in a more loving environment than one that is immediately vindictive.
0: When you speak of people who need to be corrected, it strikes me as some of the criticism that comes at the woke, that it's inherently divisive, right? I I I think the
1: new definition of woke, I I think that there is a new, new group within woke. I think the neoliberal definition of woke is divisive
0: and vindictive it's also um has segments of it maybe not everyone who's uh neo woke for to use your phrase that um provide a, a hierarchy in these in these different um uh prejudices these different uh biases not the word i want but different uh expressions of of social categories these Different, you know, right, uh, whether it's race or gender or social economic st- st- status and so forth. Let me begin by um, defining intersectionality according to uh, Chat GPT, which, by the way, if you haven't heard of it, we talked about fact finding when we were covering the media and and, and how to, to you know, make sure what you're saying or sharing or uh, tweeting out there is, is factual. When in doubt, sign up for Chat GPT and use it. Get get your answer. You, it'll tell you. Chat GPT.
2: I like the yeah. I, I like its concept, but it it turns out it has a political bias built into
0: it. There are biases. We covered this already. Remember, there's no avoiding it. There's absolutely no avoiding bias. So maybe there will be someday be a, a conservative chat uh open ai a conservative a, a liberal one but hopefully the, it's it's a um they have a um a lever you can adjust just how critical and how deep you want it to go and maybe we need a lever that controls its bias as well let me just allow chat gpt to define intersectionality because i want to talk intersectionality and and where that might uh also be um problematic. Intersectionality is when an individual group represented by multiple social categories, such as gender, race, sexual orientation, religion, and socioeconomic status, experiences intersection forms of discrimination and disadvantage due to overlapping social identities. These social identities can have their own barriers and power differentials, such as racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, xenophobia, ableism. But intersectionality seeks to look beyond the individual instances of discrimination and analyze the relationships among them. Intersectional theory became popular in the 1990s as a powerful asset to fight multiple forms of discrimination and oppression. My understanding is that there are some people out there, and perhaps it's the neo-woke, the neo-rel, or the woke religion, who want to create a hierarchical intersectionality that places one barrier or power differential above others. For the woke religion, the, the central concern is power relations, and the, that is the different capacity for the exercise of power among these various groups. I want to use as an analogy a, a broader intersectionality that operates on a world scale. Michael alluded to this earlier, that the, the weakness of woke is that it's it's more narrow and, and sectarian and, and, and local or regional. But as an analogy for... Um, trying to make a point think of it on a a worldwide scale you think of the world the entire world as we know and actually can't know all of it but as as we understand it think of it as a ball for a model and that's easy to do because the earth is fairly round and it has different disciplines for understanding this world uh these disciplines cover not special interests but broad general interest public interests that affect ultimately individual members of society along with classes the nations regions and other groupings so identities that is equality w- w- the, the seeking of, of identity uh, e- equality regardless of uh, race or class power that is the questions of security and peace and political economics, or questions of justice, are three of these broad public interests. And any hierarchy among those, or possible others, toward an, an toward an interdisciplinary analysis, would be would be determined by necessity by the student or analyst, the the author of writing or studying this world order, and not by the faithful, not by. Uh, the mob, if you will. In other words, I don't think, I think hierarchy, hierarchical intersectionality does privilege one over another, but that's up to the individual by the necessity of his or her own studies, you know, approach toward analysis. I just want to make that uh, case, which I think, (laughs) will automatically uh, make me a racist uh, out there in the public because I'm a, a heretic in the, the contemporary woke culture or, or woke religion.
1: What's fascinating, I, I, I'm not interrupting you, I hope. I'm is, done. Yeah, is that um, August Auguste Comte, the founder of sociology, did just that centuries ago, um, 1800s he delineated which discipline was more valuable than other disciplines in social theory. And he placed, of course, he, he, he founded sociology. So he placed it at top and then psychology and then biology and then chemistry uh, all the way down to mathematics and in the hard sciences. Now some might, might say, well, wait, the hard sciences are harder. Why would you put them at the bottom? It's like, well, this worked for him for, for addressing social theory by placing it at the top by by viewing society as a whole rather than society as an in, people as individual minds he felt that that was from his framework the discipline that deserved the most attention um, Do you see any comparison uh, to his analogy and, and yours Victor
0: um, Just in that it you know that was his choice that was he, he privileged sociology. Because you know that was his obsession, that was his baby, so to speak, that was that was you know, he was the pioneer, the, the grandfather of sociology, so of course that would get privileged for him. This uh, religious belief that that race is a central concern, um, I think is uh, problematic in it, just because it may be. It may be for an individual who's understanding uh, of history or the world from a particular vantage point or for a particular purpose, but it might not be central or privileged among the other uh, disciplines or areas of concern. And what I'm trying to argue is that there is uh, an overlap. It's an intersection. Uh, between justice peace and and uh equality right right um it's, it's, they're not separated out but which one is, is prioritized is is I, I think it's anti-intellectual and closed-minded to believe that the, in, in any single hierarchy that we all have our hierarchies ah. built based on our understanding as, as as that comes about. And maybe our understanding is wrong. I think part of our task as analysts is, is to be open to the possibility, and this is always the case with everything we say, we might be wrong. But one thing we'll try to do is come back fo- in, in follow-up episodes, as I did the first part tonight, and uh, admit our mistakes, correct them, and, and just commit ourselves to uh, better understandings, better expressions of what can become pretty complicated and, and uh, fraught with difficulty, concerns, and, and issues. So, I, I, I'm taking issue with woke religion on those lines. That, that you have to be careful that uh, about prioritizing. I think I think the idea of, of focusing, generally speaking, on power differentials is important. I I tend to agree on that. Um, But I don't think it covers everything. You're not going to look at the art, I don't believe, of Georgia O'Keeffe and discuss power differentials. I I don't think it concerns all matters, but I do believe that it is pretty central in uh, an understanding of history, whether the focus is uh, war and peace or Class struggle and economics and justice, or racial discrimination and, and the, the, the long arc of history, if you will, toward justice. All right, then. We've come to the end of our journey this week on Pod Dam. We're so grateful you took this voyage with us. Join us next time as we discuss cancel culture with theoretical cognitive scientist Dr. Mark Cengizzi. In the meantime, send us your thoughts, or if you want to be a guest, contact us at poddamfeedback at gmail.com. If you've gained any insights on woke ideology or the Twitter files, corporate media, or the meaning of truth, our foundational episode, please tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, and other fellow travelers. Also, if you want to contribute to help maintain this reservoir, we have several resources for that, all of which, as well as our social media, can be found on our website, Poddam. And be sure to catch up on a full back catalog of episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get finder podcasts. For Papa Beaver and Michael Johnson, I've been Victor Tiffany. Hell, oh, I still am Victor Tiffany. Thanks for cruising with us. This has been Pod Dam,
1: a production of Barnaby Smythe Incorporated, copyright 2023, all rights reserved.